This time on PlayStation Rumble, we whip out our air tasers and fry every generic henchman in sight as we play PlayStation 1 action spy thriller Siphon Filter 2. Hello, my name is Jamie, and joining me is Yakuza superfan, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. How are you doing? <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. And a man who can literally not walk without tripping over platinums, it's Joshua. <laughs> it's funny that you say that, because <laughs> right before we started this show, I went back and got the platinum for a battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. You cannot help yourself. No, no, not at all. I can't. Yeah, it's funny he also mentioned Yakuza because I just blew through Yakuza Kiwami one. Uh, past well, that's days. yeah, I saw that. That's why. Uh, that's why I thought oh, it. I thought it was just coincidence. No, no, I'm, I'm watching you. You disappoint me, Jamie. If you want to skip straight to the discussion this week, and that is going to be on Siphon Filter Two, uh, the timestamps are in the show notes. Our next game is going to be Jack and Daxter from the PS2. And that is going to be releasing on the 29th of May. But before we get into that, Tony, how's Yakuza 1? Um, I mean, it's Yakuza 1 Remake. Uh, as mentioned, I'm a big, big, big fan of the series. I've been playing it since uh, the initial release in the US in, like, what, 06, I think it was. And clamoring for the sequels. And then now it's like a, mar- a moderately popular game. Like all around, so I think it's. Uh, I think it was just announced that it's a. Uh, it's like one of like Sega's best-selling games currently. I think it was, it was like number two or something. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's outselling Persona at the moment. So I'm very happy about that because we've come a very long way from the original Yakuza. Uh, to you guys, Yakuza two barely coming in the PS2 in the US uh, in the West, and then barely getting part three, and it got you no, know, it got neutered, and then. Barely get part four, and then we got part five, and it was a fucking PSN only digital download, and then Zero came out and just changed everything. So, um, and all the countless spinoffs like Judgment and uh the Fist of the North Star spinoff and all that. So yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, I haven't played the first one in such a long time, and but I remembered a lot of it playing through Kwame. So, but yeah, so uh, you know, I spent. Like a month playing Elden Ring and then a couple months playing Ghost of Tsushima. You know, I wanted to go back to something familiar. And I played all the, played the Yakuza games in the past. And, you know, it was just nice, you know, go around Kamurocho. Again, you know, it's very familiar to me. It's like a home. And it's in the video games, in the video game states, it's, it's like a, it's like going back home, but in the video game world, because I'm so, I've explored that same town or same city so many times and it's just nice. I know where everything is, you know. It's like, you know, go to the Champagne District. I'm like, I know where that is, you know. Go here, go there. So it's it's a nice little throwback. That's such a thing that's unique to, like, uh, locations with smaller maps. Like, my first experience of that was GTA 3 because you could know each island on GTA 3 and where all the shops were. And it does feel like I can go back there now and I just know where I'm going and it feels like home. And Yakuza obviously has smaller maps with more condensed than you'd get like a normal open world. And I kind of miss that in the bigger open worlds. In GTA 5, I don't feel like 
you know, this I know how to get from here to here in the map without looking um, or like it doesn't feel like home. And those those uh, those experiences are very unique stuff like Yakuza. I mean, it's cool because, you know, I've been playing since the PS2. So I not only have I watched like the in-game world grow as like story wise, I've, I've, I'm watching the series grow each game getting better and better and they're making all these improvements. And then it's like it's wild seeing like 10, 15 years later and playing Doom again and the remakes and just seeing how I looking how I remember it back in the PS2 era. Yeah, it's special. And the remakes are like in the same style as Yakuza 0 and 6, yeah. aren't they? They're a bit modernized. And um, I also, I didn't mention this last episode, I picked up a, a PS Vita just because I like to tinker with things and I was able to mod it. And uh, oh, so um, on the PSP, there was uh, there's two uh, Yakuza spinoffs called uh, roughly translated uh, Black Panther, Like a Dragon. So... I did not know that. Yeah, in the PS Vita, there's two spin-off games roughly translated to uh, Black Panther or Black Black Leopard, Black Panther, and uh, the second one was recently fan-translated. So I put on my PS my PS Vita, I'm playing it a couple of hours in, you know, it's just something I always want to check out, but, you know, the game was never probably here until recently, so we missed out on a lot. Uh, I think there's two other games for the PS3 that spin-off games that never got released, so... Well, you uh, you totally earned your intro, Tony. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, moving on, I guess, to Joshua. Um, I've been playing Returnal, and I did just beat it a couple days ago. I <sighs> nice. <laughs> I Jesus. considered going for the, the platinum? platinum. Oh, you will. You're going. You're going. Then you're going to rub it on our faces. It's maddening, isn't it? The platinum for that game. No, actually. Actually, it's it's not a fun game to attempt to platinum at all because mm. you have to get all of these collectibles in each of the zones, and because it's it's a roguelite, they're all randomly they all randomly spawn in particular rooms. So if you don't get that room to spawn, then you don't get it. So there's no guarantee that you're going to find what you're looking for. Um, you could get everything you need in a couple hours, or you could be stuck there for. Uh, double digits of hours trying to find what you're going to find and those are the those are the only trophies I don't have and I'm not super motivated to try it. I did for a little bit and I was, then I didn't find anything like for two hours. I was like, I don't want to do this like, five <laughs> That's more not fun times. Anymore. <laughs> That's not, this isn't fun anymore. How long did it take you to beat the game? I'm not 100% sure I haven't looked at my playtime. If I had to guess, probably in the ballpark of 20 hours. Because I'm like eight hours in and I can't even be that first fucking boss. So, you know. <laughs> He's just going for the menu settings at the beginning of the game. <laughs> um, I think it's one of those games that has had like a lot of... Um, what else has come out recently? Uh, Sifu, probably, again. Mm. Like some people found they just cracked through it and only died eight times throughout the whole experience. And some, and lots of people had to hit their head against that wall a few more times, many more times. Um, so it does differ depending on if it's like the game style that uh, sort of suits you. Did you ever play Resogun, their um, PS4, I think, launch title? I have not played, I have not played Resogun, but I am, I'm interested in playing Resogun. It looks really good. It's like a shmup, but like a shmup, a shmup. It's like a shmup. Um, it is a shmup. Um, but just really well uh, designed and very good looking, um, right. and it's like a, you're, uh, you're kind of like in a cylindrical loop, 
and you can control and returnal returnal is very good looking as well it's yeah very good looking the sound design is incredible um it performs really well it's one of the only ps5 only games and it certainly earns its keep on that front i it's definitely up there in terms of ps5 exclusives if it weren't for that platinum it would probably be my favorite I don't think it got as much hype as um, Deathloop, but I think it's definitely going to last longer in the conversation. I think so. Um, this week, my PlayStation 4 died. Pour one out. Light a candle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not only do I not have a PS5, I don't have a PS4 anymore. Um, obviously, I'm hoping to get it fixed, but that has uh, that's curved my ability to play games. Um and I was really annoyed about it because Unpacking uh, has come out at time of recording mm. and I really wanted to play that game. I, I looked over it from the PlayStation Gardens into the Xbox and PC field going, everyone's hyping about this game and it looks like a nice little indie that makes you think and it's a bit zen-like and um, I'm going to have to wait a little longer for it. But I was playing just before my PlayStation died and it might have been my PlayStation um, revolting against me. Uh, I was playing Saints Row the Third Remastered. And having an okay time with that, have either of you played it? No. I've never been too into Saints Row. I think I had a remastered somewhere. And I played it, I think, at my friend's house on the PS3 way back in the day. It is, I think, in a world void of uh, GTA 6. It was, it, I was just going to scratch that itch. And, like, there used to be so many crime open world. Like, GTA 3 really sort of sparked this whole uh, mafia, Scarface watchdogs just sort of crime open world uh big games and you just don't get as many or any of them anymore um so it's it's, it was really filling that hole and it starts off really well with this sort of amazing over-the-top bombastic cutscene um and the gameplay is that throughout but i haven't had a cutscene since the beginning and it does make it feel more like an arcadey experience rather than something a bit more strung together um but we'll see how that goes i can't play it anyway well, now you're ready for the new one that's coming out where they have the group of millennials who will get into <laughs> gang wars to pay off their student loans. But he's not ready for it because his PS4 died. <laughs> Stop oh, reminding yeah, that's, me. That's true. Yeah. It's probably only PS5. Um, I will I will say that the other... Um, I did pick up Salt and Sacrifice this week, the sequel to Salt and Sanctuary, if any of you have played that one. Um, I've heard of it. I've never played it. I've I've heard of Salt and Sanctuary. I have not played it myself, but um, based on the praise for that game alone, I was like, "Oh, Salt and Sacrifice looks pretty good. I'll I'll just go ahead and pick it up and try it out." I played it about an hour and put it down and uninstalled it. So really, it just did not. The combat felt really slow and clunky, and I wasn't a huge fan of the art style. And then they added elements of Monster Hunter in it in terms of how you're chasing down bosses through the world and it it felt really weird to me and the whole time i was thinking man i'd rather just play hollow knight <laughs> i've got to get to that game at some point Hollow Knights. uh i had it on my switch i think i got i think i don't think i completed it i think i got good far uh, good ways into it it's a nice little uh metrovania type uh that's that's one of my proud that's one of my proudest platinums is hollow knight i know it's on your twitter handle <laughs> <laughs> and um i own the collector's edition of hollow knight oh nice it's one of my favorite games i have 
on every platform I own, I have a copy of that game. The art style uh, put me off a little bit at the beginning, but I think I'm kind of over that, and I know that the gameplay is just exceptional. The so, um, visuals are one of the best parts, Jamie. Yeah, I really like the visuals. I think because it is so distinct, like it will attract some people, and for others it just won't be their taste. And it was kind of putting me off in this sort of gothic-y kind of feel, but um, actually I, I'm, I might be ready. Well, I'll follow up on that next time. Yes, please do. And if and if you keep putting it off, I'll I'll choose it for one of our next sessions. You know me, I love a hard game. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Jamie mode in Hollow Knight. He'll just he'll just continue to say his PS4 is broken. Yeah, well, now that we're talking about hard games, I think it's time we get into discussing Siphon Filter 2. Siphon Filter 2 is a third-person stealth action game developed by Eidetic and published by 989 Studios exclusively for the PlayStation 1 in the year 2000. My personal history, I picked it because I was just curious and I guess, you know, know what to say about curiosity. Um, I've never played any of them before, but I I picked it because I heard about the possibilities of it being released in the new... PlayStation, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, I believe that's what they're calling it. That's the highest tier. Uh, <laughs> and I was, I've never played them. I know they were like Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid-ish, I thought. Mm. And uh, I chose the second one because Jamie said it was the best you. one. <laughs> so this is all on Jamie. And I have no other history of it. I just thought it was going to be like Metal Gear Solid Lite. And it kind of was, but like, we'll get into that. Look, I did, I did suggest that we play two. So I played both of these when I was younger. Um, and in some ways we should have always expected this game was going to come up on Tony's list because it is a dark and gritty shooter. Um, and it's got a car park segment where you sort of go down onto each level and shoot loads of henchmen. So I knew this was coming on because uh, it fit the bill of a, of a Tony game. Um, but no, honestly, I loved these games when I was younger. The Air Taser is what I remember from the original one. But yeah, so I played I played both of them. I didn't finish either of them as I uh, shortly remembered after playing it again this time. Um, and I played it on uh, original software on a PlayStation 1 disc using my PS3. As did I. But on my own PS3, not, not Jamie's. <laughs> So, I had not played any anything called Siphon Filter growing up. Um, my only exposure to this franchise is when I had a PSP. I was 10, 11, maybe, maybe a little bit older around that era. I would search around on the store a lot and I would download some several of the PS1 games and Siphon Filter was one of the titles that came up. I'm like, oh. Ooh. Okay. And Which one? I just, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I didn't really care. Because so. those were good. Uh, but there was the a PSP. Siphon Filter on a PSP. There was an actual were, game. Uh, they were right. I think I have it somewhere for the, for the PS2. Maybe we can cover that next. <laughs> now you're saying, Joshua, did you, did you play it? Did you enjoy it? I I d- I did not play these games. Okay. When I was when I was younger. So this is my first time ever playing Siphon Filter. This is not my first game from that studio cuz 
Iodetic is now Ben Studio, who made the game Days Gone, and I have played Days Gone, and I and I actually I actually enjoy Days Gone. So, um, yeah, that's that's my that's my experience with Siphon Filter. It's everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Guess the Metacritic score. Um, this is really weird. This game does not have a Metacritic score. Siphon Filter One has a Metacritic score. Siphon Filter Three has a Metacritic score. All the other PSP and weird ones, they all do. This does not have one. Don't look it up in case I'm wrong, but it doesn't. Um, so, Tony, you can't cheat this week. Also, I've deemed your last week's uh, shabakal as as mute, as uh, non void. So it's so still... I win by I win by default. Suck it, Tony. No, <laughs> no. That's I could not, have that's lied it. and said, "Hey, it's Discord," and I was honest. So we're gonna wipe that one off. It's three nil to Tony. What I do have is a game rankings uh, score, which is now Metacritic, but for some reason that uh, hasn't tra- transferred over. So guess the games ranking score. Uh, Joshua, as the three-time loser, would you like to go first? Sure. I'm going to say 89 for Siphon Filter 2. 89. Tony's won this three times fairly, twice on the button. 89. What are you going to say, Tony? 85. 85. T, you are the winner four times in a row. (laughs) It was 81. Um, But lots of other... I mean, IGN gave it like a... 8.9 8.9 out of 10. Um, it, did, it did generally review quite favorably. Um, generally, there were some uh, people who didn't like it as much. I think Game uh, GameSpot gave it like a 6.6 out of uh, 10. GameSpot's pretty harsh. Yes, they are. Although the criticisms were fair. I think generally people thought the... People really liked Siphon Filter 1. It sold like a million in the first year. It did really well. I think... People like Siphon Filter 2, but the main criticism was it's not revolutionary. It's, it's much the same. And uh, some people didn't like the level design and uh, no one seemed to like the voice acting. But we will go on to that. Okay, so here is a review from Marcus Pendergraft. And this was in 2015. All I see is people complaining about this game being hard. Games are not supposed to be easy where you can just breeze right through. It's supposed to challenge you. Yes, this game is hard, but not to the point where it's enjoyable like some uh, some people are complaining about. Like it's enjoyable? I know. I think they mean uh, unenjoyable. And they failed to mention the multiplayer part of the game. Plays a lot like Goldeneye with some parkour jumps. I'm recommending this game to everyone. So uh, Marcus is a bit upset about the negative uh, reviews uh, that the game's got. I think we've all been there. We've all enjoyed games that uh, are sort of... Getting panned, days gone, Joshua. And Um, and vice versa. Yes, and vice versa. Here's Sam Thomas, who gave it five out of five. And this is pretty pretty positive. I think this is going to be closer to to Tony than Joshua. Eat your heart out, Metal Gear Solid. For those of you who have played Metal Gear Solid, you're undoubtedly well aware that this is one of the best games that have ever been seen. This is uh, written in 2001, by the way. When word spread that a rival game was due to release, I laughed until it hurt that someone thought that they could beat this. Well, they have. All of the action blasts straight at the game right from the start. This game requires stealth, cunning and plenty of firepower. The ease that many gamers felt when getting involved in Metal Gear Solid does not exist in this, providing a challenge right to the end. That's uh, quite a hot take. Yeah, I, I really feel like time's age that uh, review specifically uh, because I mean as you said Joshua you're not you know Siphon Filter wasn't in the sphere of you know what you're thinking about when you're thinking about 
gaming or even PlayStation 1, Metal Gear Solid for a lot of people is. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I I won't get into this too heavily because, you know, we've got we can we'll have plenty of plenty of time to talk about specifics, but I don't think time has been kind to Siphon Filter in terms of its mechanics and its gameplay, similar to a lot of other games of its kind. Metal Gear being the only exception. Yes. I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> They're gonna be there's gonna be fire in this episode somewhere. It's just, it's not here oh, yet, but it's coming. Spoiler alert, you guys are coming after me first. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, as you uh, mentioned, Joshua, this game is Idetic, who are now uh, Ben's Studios. Before this, they had developed Bubsy 3D, critically panned game. All-time classic. All-time <laughs> classic. Shut your mouth about Bubsy 3D. Uh, hot defender of Bubsy. Next uh, episode of PlayStation Rumble, Bubsy 3D. <laughs> Bubsy 3D, let's go. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, uh, my, my PS1's broken. Um they made like a like quite a decent amount of uh, of these games of the siphon filter games, and then they moved on to like handhelds. They did a Resonance uh, game on PSP. They did Uncharted on Vita, and then obviously they finally did Days Gone. Um, I mean, Bubsy to siphon filter is a jump, and I think given that, I'm quite impressed with what the end product's been. Uh, I'll say that I think Siphon Filter Two was made in a year, and. Um, the fact that the game, uh, I'm not going to be super negative on the game. You know, I'm going to be fair. The fact that the game looks as good as it does for a PS1 game and is as complete as it is for being made in a year is actually really impressive. Yes. And I mean, not particularly untypical, not particularly uncommon back in the day. I think each Crash Bandicoot was a year in development. Spyro's like... That's that's true. Yeah. I think even the Tomb Raider games, they had like... The um, what's it called? The engine they had it pre-built, and they just had like an editing engine where they just built a they could build levels on the spot, and that's what they did for uh for the Tomb Raiders. They had like a a pre-engine built already, so it was quick. They could they could just like make them like that. Yes, but you're right. It is crazy, and it was actually quite a small team uh, that worked on this game. Um, the developers cited uh, Golden Eyes being like a really large inspiration. This game came out five months after Metal Gear Solid. So when it started development, uh, they didn't even know about Metal Gear Solid, um, which is probably for the best of eyes, it would have ended up being slightly derivative, derivative of it. Um, and I saw a lot of Golden Eye in this in the level design. The only other thing I found out about Ben Studios because uh, the PSP games had such a good reception. That's why they got given the license to do the Resonance uh, PSP game and equally why they were given the right to do the Uncharted game on Vita. But because they were doing so well in this space for Sony, um, they actually got to sort of come in on meetings about the Vita and how it was going to be designed and what uh, developers wanted from the Vita. So they had quite a big influence uh on well, how their Vita would end up sort of shaping, which I thought was uh, kind of cool. The only thing I have left to say about Ben Studio is um, everyone pour one out for Days Gone 2. Uh, pour one out for Days Gone 2. I, th- I think, I don't know, it's hard. Days Gone 2 is a, is a whole, whole other thing. I think if it had a different story <laughs> and characters, it'd be okay. <laughs> um, 
And it was a different like gameplay, and uh, the setting was changed. It was a completely different game. If it was Days Gone, but with nothing from the first Days Gone, yeah. then Jamie would have loved yeah. it. Hey, I liked. I think I played halfway through Days Gone. I won't go back and complete it. I really liked it. So I'm Team Days Gone. There's a lot of love in that game. There's a lot of love in it in the design. Let's talk about the combat because the combat is, as you said, aged. How did you guys find the con- uh, combat? Uh, was it intuitive? Did you get along with it? Oof is 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 my ex- in the beginning where he sees two snipers. I was ready to be like, "Hey guys, I know I chose this game. Can we play something else?" Because he's like, "Oh, I'll flank them, distract them," and then as soon as you walk, you, as soon as you you take two steps, and they're like, "We're out of ammo." I'm like, "I climb behind a guy." He's flanking me and then headshot. Oh, the headshots in this game. Headshot, headshot. So I had to actually pull the Jamie for most of this game and pull up a walkthrough because I just wasn't having it. And I just looked at some, the guy, the walkthrough I saw, the guy had some cheese strats and I followed his strats because I just was not having it. So do you, do you think it was too hard, basically? I think it was a game of its time and they tried to do a lot of things that maybe didn't work out too well. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was innovative at the time, but I just, when I, just the first person view, you had to use that most of the time to get headshots cheaply, might add, most of it, a lot of times, because it's just shooting them normally. Sometimes you can shoot them, three bullets, they're dead. Sometimes they'll take an entire clip. Sometimes they'll shoot you one time and you're dead. And another time they'll shoot you and you're standing right in front of them and it misses you. Like it was kind of, all over the place, unless it was headshots. And then if you weren't rolling and have a little luck on your side, you were just, you were just gone. Also rolling did sometimes was just not enough. So there was a rolling mechanic in this game. If someone was getting a headshot on you, it would come up on your screen danger and you'd roll and then you'd be capped in the head anyway, because fuck you, say the developers of Siphon Filter. And the, and the roll is so slow. Oh my God. It takes such a long time that you're basically stuck. And the same thing with aiming down sights, because you have a button in this game where you can, you push R1 and you can lock onto somebody's torso and you can just fire and move. Which works feels well. pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. But then you, to get a headshot, which is basically demanded of you when people start wearing flak jackets in the first level of the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to stand. You have to stand still and aim at their heads, mm. or you're going to go through your whole, all all of your ammo yeah, essentially. Exactly. And which and because you have to stand still, and the the people shooting at a distance have amazing accuracy. You, a lot of times, you're just a sitting duck while you're trying to line up a shot. And then they're insanely aggressive. Like I could probably make a compilation of times where. They were just shooting me in the head of a, of a, of a automatic pistol and they're standing there like this for like 10 seconds. So it's just. The, the absolute word. <laughs> I can, I can, I can feel your, uh, is, your frustration. Is, is, the is. very worst design in this game is the fact that, as you said, you have to stand still to headshot. And if it's a guy who is wearing a, a flat jacket and is a headshotter, i.e. someone that's going to headshot you, you are fucked. That is the end. Um, having said that, there is, and of course, this came out before analog sticks. So you're, you're not having right. your player movement and your camera angle. I think, uh, actually, I think this came out when the DualShock, the original DualShock came out. 
I mean, yes, it was there, but it wasn't a uh, yeah. uniform thing, particularly not in third or first person shooters to have that system for movement. I, I it, it can be forgiven that the way they handled uh, over the shoulder shooting with, uh, I think, L1 was because third person shooting type things like that wasn't it was still very very new and was really into the ps2 era where they come they started figuring it all out so i can see why they went that route yeah i worked with it you know i i know how I, I just i hit it on corners and cheese headshots whenever i could or just luckily the checkpoints are are very uh forgiving very yep yes yeah, so it's like the polar opposite of max Payne. And it was like, it's, yeah, I mean, especially for the time, a lot of these games, if you died, you'd have to restart the mission all over again, like the entire level. So it was very generous. And so I was able to work with that and just kind of guess, just remember where they were going to pop out of. And you just like hide around the corner, hit L1 and just spray a little, my little reticle around. There are two things that really alleviated this. And one thing is actually really, I think this game does do things that's quite ahead of its time in some ways and problem solving in really clever ways. So there is a cover lead mechanic. You can be completely behind cover, get to first person, and if you press L2 or R2, you lean yeah. in that direction. That is never explained to you. In fact, I don't think any button is explained to you on this game. There's no tutorial. They're just assuming, like most old games, that you've read the manual and it's there. Yes. Luckily, I had the manual. Otherwise, I wouldn't <laughs> figure out half the stuff. Unluckily for me, I did not have the manual, so I didn't know anything. <laughs> Sometimes, like some of the story, the setup of a story would be in the manual. It's just a very known thing that you you would have read that manual probably on the way home from the game store, you know, in your in the car. Um, so yeah, really poorly explaining to you these mechanics. This the other thing I noticed from watching a walkthrough, and I did watch a walkthrough for a lot of this game because I was not going through all that trial and error. Is as soon as you get to first person view, you are at a headshot height. You can head your your reticle is at a headshot height as long as the person is on the same level ground as you, no matter how far away. Which is a weird thing because that shouldn't work perspective wise, but it does. Um, so all you need to do, as soon as like if you turn a corner and you know lots of enemies there, if you go into first person view, then just pan towards them. You'll get a headshot very quickly um, and more often before they can actually start getting hits on you. Um, when I worked that out, this game became like so much more pleasant. But before that, it was just hiding behind corners and cheesing the whole time. I, I had some like I said, the walkthrough I was watching, he had some pro strats, and I just followed some areas. He just completely ran through everything and just did his roly poly, and that's what I did. And I there's like uh, there was one particular section um, we had like you had to run through a plane crash or something, and then it's like it was just one part. It was just all headshots everywhere, and it's a fucking sniper. And a guy like hit behind a little pole, a uh, hit behind like a branch, and where when the sniper tried to shoot him, it hit the branch. So, yeah, I hit behind there to kill him. So it was just like, and I just bucked it to the to the next checkpoint. So it's really hard for me because I remember the first three levels of this game. I could not believe how much I remembered them. I remember that whole snowy mountain in Colorado. I remembered uh, waking up as the woman in the hospital, and then that bridge level, and. What you did, Tony, by uh, electing this game is destroy my memories of, of loving this game. <laughs> you championed it, too. So don't act. Let me sh if I show these people the, the Discord chat, mm. I think it was the last episode, whatever the case may be, you were like, yes, yes, Siphon Filter 2. Yes, 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 yes. So I mean, definitely over Siphon Filter 1, we'd be having a very different discussion. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and, and I did have a love-hate relationship with this game throughout. Um, you know, I think we all did. I, I did hate it, but I did keep wanting to play it for some reason. I mean, I will give it this, though. Um, I did enjoy most of the stealth missions. Like, they were actually, especially for the time, they were actually, actually thought they were rather well-designed. I much preferred stealth missions. Yeah, especially since... Uh, maybe because I didn't do much combat, if at all, but I thought they were... Uh, Quicker. I thought I thought they were pretty. Uh, no, I thought I they would. I thought they were well designed, especially for the time where uh, stealth missions normally were like the worst, and they still kind of all worst to the day to this day. But I thought for the most part, besides some um, weird moments where like I think one of the last ones, you know, like you were in, like the, in like, the lab or whatever, and then it was like you had to get this knife, but I had to look at a walkthrough because the knife was on this obscure table. And it was just like, yeah, it was, you know, PS1. But yeah, yeah, it was like, I, I would have never known what that knife was to, uh, you know, kill the guards or whatever to get to the next area if I didn't want to look at the walkthrough. Because I would never imagine that this weird table in this corner of this one corridor was going to be there. But otherwise, I didn't think the stealth was that bad. Probably my favorite part of the game. I think my favorite part of the game, and this kind of goes along with gameplay, is each of the set pieces in the game there's you're you're never doing the same i mean you're you're shooting people and, and you're killing people via stealth or combat so that technically is the same thing but how you're doing how you're doing it and the gameplay loop is very different you know you're you start in the mountain you're using a flamethrower in a tunnel by level two you go across the bridge, you're running across the train. The train was so amazing. The train the, is like fucking PS3. The train, it's Uncharted the, too. They did it. I was, that was that was my thought exactly. I was like... It was incredible. This is Uncharted. This is Uncharted. The train was probably one of the best parts, if not the best part of the game. This game abuses you so often that when it gives you, and there is magic in this game, and when it gives that magic to you, you're so happy for it. And I actually thought, and I actually, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want complete shit in the game, but I actually thought as the game went on, especially at the halfway point, it actually got a little better. And maybe because I got used to controls and I knew it, what it wanted for me, but those early missions, like trying to find the bombs, I had no idea you could climb down that, that fucking bridge. Like mm. I had to, I would have never guessed it. Even back 20 years ago, I would have never guessed it. So it took me a while to figure out how to vault up to, <laughs> higher places because yeah. i was like there's no there's no jump button there's no there's no so way it'd be the interact it, 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 it took it? it took me a minute to figure out that it was you use the interact button up against the edge and then you'll pull yourself up and i was like it is madness in the, am i dumb in the first level when you get to the highest peak so you can use the transmitter i was just standing there with this text saying use the transmitter and i was like i can't i was like at, at, at that point i was just like oh I, I'm going to push the same button I've been pushing for everything else. And then it worked. Yeah, I should have done that. But I think you you are right, Joshua. Like, not only are, uh, th th not only are the set pieces and the things that they're asking you to do really unique, which you don't, which sometimes is a bit lacking in, like, modern games where it's just like, sort of, we know what the side fetch quests are going to be and all rinse, that. Rinse and repeat. Yeah, yeah. This, this has that sort of creativity of innovation that you did get in, like, PS1 games because there were less rules to follow. Um, but also the settings were very, there were so many settings. This was a, a two disc game. And one of the things that uh, Ben's studio wanted to do with the second one was just do Siphon 1, uh, Siphon Filter 1 
bigger. Um, so there is, yeah, the Colorado mountains. There's like a, a nightclub in uh, Russia. There's like a laboratory, a prison. I hated the prison, but the settings are there. And there's also the, um, there's a, there's a few night vision sequences that I thought were pretty awesome. Like yeah. The night vision looks dope as hell. Each boss is like a completely different way to get to it. Um, ah, oh, that last boss. We'll talk about that. Let's talk. No, let's talk about it. No, 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 no. We can't talk about the last boss yet, can we? Can we? Is this the place for the last boss? It's really stressing me. <laughs> oh, guys. <laughs> we can talk about whenever, wherever. Who, who, uh... It's our, it's our podcast. Okay. It's our podcast. Spoilers maybe. for a game that came out uh, 22 years ago, by the yeah. way. Final boss. Bullshit. This is the worst. Des- they saved the worst design for that final boss. The spawn point was ridiculous. You just, right, he's right there, running towards you. I had to like, it took me like 10 attempts, I think, not 10, maybe like four or five attempts to figure out like what to do just to avoid him in the beginning and he'd still mow me down. Honestly, um, so let me let me paint this picture. You're in a small room with two doors. He's, the, the, the main enemy who's Chase, who's your friend, Big Twist, he's the enemy. <gasps> Whoever saw that coming in an action game. Um, is running towards you in this very small room and you've got to run out the other door. He's like got, what What weapon does he have? Some sort of uh, shotgun or... Uh, like, like a, does it like an automatic weapon? Yeah, like a short fire, um, sort of semi-automatic or whatever. Um, and he's just plowing you down. Um, you can never really move that far away from him and you've got to like get this other gun on this roof of a helicopter and shoot him into... Uh, it was the, on the other side of a helicopter. But if you ran around it and you could run to the propellers and get killed and then... Yeah, you need to, yeah you needed to shoot him into the propellers. You'd have to like roll under the helicopter to get the gun and then lure him over and then shoot him into the propeller. Which, How long did this take you guys? I uh, I think after the fifth or sixth time I died, I just looked it up because I wasn't having it. Even I when I knew. Never, just, I would have never figured it out. I just put a podcast on and I was like, die, die, die. <laughs> I told you, man, I had that walkthrough of that pro, that pro gamer guy. I was watching whatever, someone do it. Whether that translates onto the fucking... Anyway, Joshua. I can watch someone beat a Souls boss, but that's, <laughs> that's not... That doesn't mean I'm going to win. I've watched Solo her many a time. <laughs> Jamie could watch me play Elden Ring. That doesn't mean he's going to have an easy time. But. Um, did you finish this game, Joshua? I know you guys are anxious to know. And the answer is no, I did not. Okay, I did not. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> How far? You got to the train sequence, so that's the part I was actually hoping for you to experience because that's probably yes. like one of the best parts of the game. How far did you it get? Was like, it was like pretty much after the train sequence, I was like, okay, I feel like I've peaked. You've done well. <laughs> so after that, it's just like a few more stealth missions and then. Uh, a ridiculous was that was that before or after the headshot guy that you're chasing down the um the Russian dude I think it was wasn't it before you you didn't get to a snow bit in the, where you're wearing night vision and it's in a park did you no no that's after the train there's so many more impressive scenes after that but what uh, I basically could have just played half this game and been much happier than if I played the whole game because the prison the uh, the Russian is it a Russian prison? There's a prison, a female uh, prison. I hated it. It was so horrible. It's probably the hardest mission in the game. It's like some stealth, then action. You're not really well equipped. Um, then you've got to like break out this prison with like guards just like destroying you at every corner. This is what this is what really upsets me about the game design. Like Max Payne, 
the way they add surprise and difficulty is just having lots of corners and behind every second corner yes. there's three enemies and that's just for me quite lazy design nowadays you get much more open areas where they're like they're honest they're like this is this is the layout this is who's there you work it out but the way they used to do it was small corridor corner grenade and that is it runs all the way through this game small corridor corner grenade everyone has a flashback on on and you have like three bullets in your gun yeah that that was at this that was at the point where siphon filter 2 turned into resident evil 1 (laughs) you're managing your bullets and i'm like hold on i'm playing an action game why am i running out of ammo (laughs) um and also they didn't have the air air taser until the the, basically the second last mission the best weapon because it does take away a lot of that frustration just having an auto aim and just going they pulled a they pulled a prince of persia on us where they saved the best weapon until last and you're like wow wish i had this for the rest i played some of the first one and you get this taser right imagine shooting first first uh, level joshua you have this this taser you if you you hit i think you squared it to shoot it if you keep it hanging square, you can eventually just set the person on fire and you start running around like That's on awesome. fire and stuff. Yeah, it is awesome. And it, it it goes out on a wire. So if there's someone on top of a roof and you're on street level, you're just like, and it goes zip and it just like fries them alive and you decide Should how be long. an option to incinerate people in every video game. Yeah. Even Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> That's really dark. <laughs> Maybe the next Kirby game. Get on that, Nintendo. You heard it here first. I won't charge royalties. <laughs> um, I think there were other nice little puzzle solving bits. There's a bit on the bridge level where you've got like two guards with two hostages and one guard staying still and one guard is walking from left to right across the first guard. And as soon as you shoot one of them, the other one will set off the alarm. And you've basically got to work out that as the first guard passes the second guard, their heads align and you can do one shot and yeah. I thought I thought of that, and I thought that's not the answer. And I did it, and I was like, "Oh, that felt so good." <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the little moments were really good, where they just sort of present you with a problem, and um, they don't give you a solution. But the solution is completely tied to the gameplay, yes, and completely tied to the mechanics. So it it, it felt it feels very organic, and they're using the elements of shooting and aiming and using and stealth to essentially solve a puzzle and that that feels awesome i i wish i wish more games nowadays would do that instead of um have you this is a bit off topic have you guys seen the tony you've probably seen it the picture of if elden ring was made by ubisoft oh yes (laughs) and it's got like all the ui elements my favorite part of that is where it's a prompt that says push r3 to use tarnish sense and find your next (laughs) objective so we so instead of doing that games like siphon filter like no here's your problem you figure it out and that's your problem figure it out (laughs) yeah exactly moments like that eked through uh, the bits of frustration i had with the game yes and i think that was just more common at the time it seems to be something that sort of like died out in uh in uh, modern design there were like i think this game drew a lot of inspiration uh from tomb raid as well there were often secret weapons hidden in little areas that were really unless you knew they were there you're not going to get them you can get the air taser on the first mission in those colorado mountains you can but you wouldn't because it would mean like hanging off a mountain at a bit you didn't think you could and then just dropping over um or going through a waterfall it had those kind of things and i just 
quite appreciated the last two levels, which are the New York slums, sort of a dark street alley kind of uh, thing. Was that the one where they were like, where the girl was like, you have to help save these cops, and then you try to save the cops, and they all die anyway? Yeah, with the snipers. <laughs> that, yeah. that level was a love layer to Siphon Filter 1, because that's that that's basically the first uh, level, the very sort of famous level in uh, Siphon Filter 1, and at that point you do have your air taser back. Um, and I just enjoyed the sewer mission. It all clicked for me at that point. Once I worked out you could headshot quite easily, I did I did enjoy that bit. This game just made me feel... I've never felt so ambivalent about a game that we've played. I'm I'm with you there, Jamie. I'm with you 100%. And I, well, I, I, and I didn't finish it, so I didn't see everything the game had to offer. But um, it was just... I'm bouncing between really frustrated and, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. And I'm having a hard time figuring out where I'd land at the end of my experience. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. It's definitely a game that I would hope if there's a remake, I'll be down for a remake of these games because I think just there's add, a lot of just things. Just add strafing, please. I think there's a lot of things they could they could do like a run. Uh, there's a lot of things a modern remake could do to like greatly improve it. I agree with you, Tony. A hundred percent. The only other thing I would mention is. There was so much trial and error in this game and you could just get ploughed down so easily uh, that I found the most jarring part of this game was just how unbalanced it was and that's what made it unpleasant at times to play. Yeah, um, to piggyback on that, there were a lot of gotcha moments. They got me. Like, like uh, even some of the stealth missions, it's like you do the stealth mission, you failed it, but then if you turn a corner and go around, it's like some random guy standing in a corner that can barely see you, sees you and spots you. And like, it uh, was annoying to say the least. Or like you said, you'd run down the stairs, you kill three enemies and right behind you, there's some guy with a rocket launcher. It's just like, not a rocket launcher. There's no rocket launchers in the game, from what I recall. But you get what I'm saying. It's just like, haha, there's someone behind you this yeah. entire time. Just some cheap bullshit sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the developers just like to pull a fast one. Yeah. Which was, you know, on par with games at the time, so... It is, it is, it is what it is. It is what it is. So I will say that, um... While I was ambivalent on the gameplay and the moment-to-moment stuff, the one thing I was not ambivalent on are the visuals in this game. Um, It's probably one of the best-looking PS1 games I've ever played. Isn't it It just? honestly impressed me. Not only that, but it's... The the performance was pretty consistent. I wasn't. I didn't hit any weird jitters or anything like that. I don't know if you guys had any had a different experience with that on PS One. Um, but the just the level of detail, um, the the geometry, the number of guys on screen, it all just looked really good. So, um, Jamie, what are what are your thoughts on the graphics? Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. This is very obviously a late PS1 game and it does, it still has that sort of dark, um, kind of, uh, kind of DIY kind of feeling that the PS1 games do have. But I think that Ben Studio did particularly make an effort just making these environments look a lot more realistic than what we were used to for PS1. 
um yeah it really held up well you know, I mean, yeah it's a it's a good looking game it has definitely has some of that uh dopey ps1 look to it but i like that uh, old old ps1 games look it has a certain feel to it very nostalgic they did the best they could with what they had if they you know obviously you know 2000 2001 i think the ps2 was out or was coming out was around right around the corner actually might have been out in japan at the time if i'm recalling correctly um so it was definitely you know they did what they could with the with, with what they had to work with and with the with the power of the system the power of the system with the, the systems uh resources that they had at the time so i have no complaints yeah they definitely did the best they could within the constraints and it really shows in the end result and to that effect um the levels themselves you're they're not the most varied that i've ever seen in a game but um with with the different with the different set pieces you also are getting some different visuals in there as well so it's not like you're just seeing the same thing over and over and over you do get a little bit of that environmental diversity on top of a game that looks really good for its era you know it if you put siphon filter 2 up up to another a ps2 game that was aiming for a similar art style you probably wouldn't find you wouldn't find egregious differences between them i would imagine no i mean the most recent example may be max Payne, which did look significantly better but for that it ran like shit so they obviously made (laughs) (laughs) yeah there we go um and i think you're right tony in the fact that it does have that sort of nostalgia look of a ps1 game in the same way that like records have a certain sound to them and uh vhs tapes of like disney films have a certain feel to them because of the grain in the footage yeah it's yeah the 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 dithering and everything yeah i still the walk through i watch had had like a had an upscale and everything on an emulator it looks nice and all it looks very clean but when i was playing my ps3 it was just like it's it looked i just think it looked better in a sense that it had like that uh what's that word had some like a yeah it has a certain feel to it that you just don't really get when it's upscaled and this coat so could have too easily been too dim and too dark, and uh, they avoided that. Joshua, you didn't see the sort of uh, this level where this airplane has crashed, and it's an o- an open air, uh, open sort of kind of mountain top. It feels like just this rocky terrain, and this uh, you're scaling this uh, airplane, which is just like fallen to the ground, and enemies are coming along as you're doing it, and the sky is just like blood red, like a volcano has just popped off. Yeah, that's the one. That was like one of the toughest parts of the games too. Yeah, I mean, it's all bullshit, but yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> this year was fine. That's the one where I just, I just ran because the, I saw the guy in the walkthrough. He just ran. I'm like, that's, that's the one I ran. It had the sniper on top of the airplane, that fucking cheap ass sniper. But I literally feel like I can taste it. That's how much of an impression yeah. the visuals. Yeah, it definitely had, had that, that sense of, that sense of atmosphere. Music wise, I think it's leaning a lot more into now. And I think maybe the premise of Siphon Field as well is leaning into this sort of, late 90s early noughties action film mission impossible matrix kind of feeling and the soundtrack was there i mean the soundtrack actually wouldn't have sounded out of place in like a mission impossible film except for it had a slightly more electronic uh electro vibe going on which a lot of sort of ps1 games had at the day it was you know that late 90s late 90s rave music yeah house and rave music uh which just permeated everything from like racing games to like Donald Duck games back in the PS1. Oh yeah. Uh, genre. But 
I think the soundtrack suited the style. Uh, it was definitely of the era. There's a you can tell that in a lot of aspects, like with the visuals and with the soundtrack, that uh, Idetic or Bend or Idetic at the time that they were really putting forth a lot of that extra production value into a game. So you're getting the most the the most quality and value um, in as in other aspects for for a game like this of its time. Yes, I remember uh, watching an interview with them and and they said that the memory constraints were so tight that sometimes like uh, sound would come to you and go, we need an extra four, what would it have been, megabytes back then? Megabytes, gigabytes? Megabytes, probably. Yeah, we need another four megabytes out of this level and you'd just be like, you know, I can't, you know, where am I going to take that from? So I think they were really pushing it. I think we've got to end by talking about this story. Let's do it. We've tried to avoid it. <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about the elephant in the room. I don't remember like most of the story. I don't remember, really remember, or I can really follow was the girl just coughing all over everything, <laughs> which we had enough of for the last two years. I'm fine. Really. <coughs> That's what I'm saying. Like it hits different when it's post COVID, and you have this girl, with this virus, coughing. All, I'm fine. She's coughing all over her friends and shit. Uh, so the stories is certified bananas, but bafflingly also very like stock and very unoriginal. But it's the it starts pr- like hours after the first game, and it's actually very of the time in certain in certain aspects too. <laughs> Even um, Mirror's Edge was talking about like a, an airborne virus. Yeah, a bit. Whereas Mirror's Edge wasn't even trying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Siphon Filter Two. It's just like happy to be a like really basic action premise, which is that um, Siphon Filter is a sort of biological disease that can be uh, programmed to just target certain types of people. Uh, the evil corporation uh, who you're working with in the first one who sort of turned their back on you and were the sort of people uh, in charge of Siphon Filter. Um, this evil organization is trying to get to you to get uh, back what they need, which is these source codes. And you've been blacklisted, so everyone's after you. Um, and the game starts when you're flying. Oh, so I love the intro scene at their air- airport when they first like get in trouble. It's just got this like really cheesy, like running in slow motion, shooting guys, like the position of it. They just go full out on the cheese. But the basic premise is you start on a plane, uh, which is attacked and, uh, out go your source codes and you try and survive. And the rest of the game, you're trying to find those source codes, uh, this data for uh, siphon filter to save the world at the very beginning of this game when they're on the plane and it cr- and it starts crashing uh uh what's his name logan is getting everyone out go jump 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 and one guy goes what about the source codes and he goes we haven't got time for that jump jump <laughs> and th- if he hadn't done that i wouldn't have had to play this whole fucking game because they would have just had the source codes from the beginning they would have just had them uh, um no impression on me um I didn't even realize at the end that Chase was like someone that I knew from the beginning that had turned on me, just literally. I think some of the plot was actually explained in the, um, in the loading screens between like missions. Yes. Um, can we talk about the voice acting for a minute? Oh my because God. Oh my God. <laughs> I forget which level it is, but you're playing as the girl who coughs and you get to this part where this guy is looking at this like big green map and you take him out and the other guy, he's like, Huffman, 
Come take a look at this, Huffman. <laughs> what the hell is going on, Huffman? <laughs> it's just, I just lost it the whole time. Like, oh my gosh. This is something else. There's one bit towards the end. It's a cutscene, and the setup is it's, just, you know, it's the Russian girl and the other guy. They have these very distinct accents, and they're trying to act. Oh, the Russian girl is awful. And then, like, but, like, okay, these people doing these accents, and then this guy's like, and the Russian guy's like, do this, blah, blah, blah. And then and this one guy sounds like an intern, just went, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he, gave him, he gave him a command to, like, do something. He's just like, oh, okay. That was like that was the line, and it just I just I need I need to make that clip and just show it to you guys because I, I was roll I watched I think I kept on watching it because it was just uh, it was just that funny. I think the the only good voice actor was Leon. Uh, I, I think her name's Leon, the female protagonist. I actually thought she was fairly decent. Yes, the worst offender logan is logan isn't it he's off he's got the voice i think this is why he's been hired he's definitely got that voice but doesn't understand what intuition is and can't and like it's always it's always the wrong emotion for the level Teresa, he's got the wrong inflection in his yes. voice and he's not his, his voice doesn't match the the context no, he's saying we've got to get the bombs now, otherwise the whole city's going to explode. But in the way that someone would say, "Are you putting a copper on?" I'll I'll take two sugars. We got to get the bombs now. Yeah, it's just so weird. It was like when it was like when you're in like English class, and then you know the teacher's picking out kids to read something of like a story you're reading. It <sighs> felt like that. Like it wasn't even school play levels. It was like you no. Know, Eight-year-old dreaming, I don't know, cat in a hat. Like, it was even... Yeah, and and with the voice acting, you know, that was a big push for this game. And that led them to do a lot of the pre-rendered cutscenes. And the cutscenes were actually what caused the game to be so big that it required two discs. And seeing the end result, at least, you know, 20-some-odd years later, I'm thinking to myself, was it worth it? <laughs> I don't think so Metagor Solid was two discs and had cutscenes it had like had like 600 hours worth of uh, you know dialogue alone but and it, it is a shame because the cutscenes actually were quite high production value like most of the things in this game and if it had good voice acting uh, you know it was, it's all in engine and it's not you know they've got painted faces on and everything but for PS1 it was it was fair enough and doing in game um, cutscenes you know it was PS1 cutscenes and I love that. I love that. As bad as it can be, and as like you know, sudden as abrupt as they can be mm. in scenes, I still, uh, I still got to go. I love that. Uh, the, you know, the, the like early late nineties uh, CGI. It's just yeah, it's a guilty yeah. pleasure of mine. So I looked it up, and the guy who played Logan is a guy called John C- uh, Chatham, and he was not a voice actor. Or an actor. Really? He what? Had, he had done some. Oh my gosh, that's insane. <laughs> I know, right? Um, he had done. They just took him off the street and said, hey, you want to voice a character in a video game? It's actually not too far away from that. So he'd done some radio and was at lunch with uh, his friend or friend of a friend who was a casting agent. And she just said, come on in and, and, and audition for this. And originally he wanted to go for the, uh, the, um, the villain. Um, but she was like, "There's good. They, look, there's scope for more of these. Take, you know, I want you to go for the lead role." 
There's nothing else on this IMDb except for this and a show called uh, Strike Force Challengers, which is some mixed martial arts. So reality. I'm sure he did like a voiceover for something. But those are the only things he's done. All the Logan <laughs> roles in every game and then this one reality TV show. That's awesome. So I don't blame the guy. <laughs> I mean, it was obviously just a single take. Mm. He does have the voice though. Guys, I think we've discussed just about everything in this game. We talked about the gameplay, graphics, sound, story. Is there anything anyone wants to say before we move on to our closing thoughts? Playing this game was like a fever dream. I did it in about five days. I knew it was going to be borderline unbearable, and uh, and I've nearly borderline wiped everything I've done from my mind. Um, I loved it. Since Jamie, since Jamie's done talking about his fever dream, Tony, why don't you kick us off with closing thoughts and your score? The combat was PS1 jank, but the stealth missions were mostly fun and the checkpoints made it bearable. And a lot of the missions, some of the missions were pretty cool, such as, you know, the train sequence is probably one of the best sequences I played in a PS1 game. If I'm being completely honest, I loved it. It was my favorite part of the game. Um... It was definitely a game of its time. You know, they did what they could with the hardware, and I think they did good, pretty good, uh, given the limitations. Uh, it's definitely a game, a game series. I would like to, I wouldn't mind seeing a complete remake of because I think there is something there. And if they could, you know, just remake them from the ground up, I think we'd have a, a pretty solid remake. Uh, I'd probably give it. Uh, this is giving a score is tough. Um, if it was like a PS1 game, if I was for the time, I would give it like I'd probably give it like a seven point five, just because it did do a lot at the time. It did the it's it got a lot it has a lot going for it, but it's kind of a tough recommendation. Uh if you enjoy like PS1 games uh of the era, action games specifically, and want to kind of see how things have evolved to where they are now, I would say maybe check it out. Uh, if you can't really tolerate the overall jankiness of some games have on, on of that era, might be a hard pass. But uh, yeah. Uh, how about uh, you, Joshua? <sighs> well, <laughs> as somebody who was too young to really appreciate this game when it came out, I have a hard time. Like I, I want to look at it and play it respectfully in keeping in mind the people who worked on it and the fans of it, as I'm sure there are many. Um, but for my money, it's it has its moments, but overall, I just didn't really enjoy it that much. And um, it's bogged down by a lot of um, a lot of things that are just out of date or don't happen. A lot of a lot of stuff that if the game were to come out now would be cleaned up. So if if there was uh, a remaster or remake of some kind, uh, then I would definitely give it. I would definitely give it another look. But the game, as it stands proper, I just couldn't. I just couldn't bring myself to stick with it all the way through. Um, as far as scores go, I don't know that it's appropriate for me to give a score since I didn't finish the game. Uh, what do you guys think about that? No, I think we did it for the records. <laughs> <laughs> P- 
playing playing Siphon Filter 2 in 2022 um, as somebody who never played it growing up and can't couldn't appreciate it in its glory, I'd give it a 5 out of 10. Fair enough. So uh, that just leaves Jamie. I am more interested by this game than I am happy to play it. Um, I think... Like my memories of this game are so were so strong coming out. I really enjoyed playing the first three levels. Um, you just like I think it's kind of why we collect retro games and stuff like that. It is that feeling of oh I'm I'm like eleven again and I'm on my sofa playing my parents' TV. Um, this game is hard. This game is hard and not like good hard, not like Elden Ring hard, like fucking Crash Bandicoot one hard or you know you know just just unfair. I'm gonna give it. Oh. See, five for it off the metric off because I mean, the, the points you're right. Can I say eight? You can say whatever can say you, want. you want. I really it's, did enjoy it's... playing this game. I'm gonna give it a seven, <laughs> seven out of ten because it was amazing, but it hurt me. Seven out of ten, it has yeah. a little something for everyone. If this was 2000, it'd be an eight, but it's not, it's 2022 and it's a seven, and it should be lucky for it. <laughs> if nobody else has. Anything else to say, I guess that will wrap it up for our uh, little powwow on Siphon Filter 2. The next game we will be covering will be uh, Jack and Dexter. If you enjoyed our little conversation here, be sure to check us out on uh, Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at PS Rumble. Drop us an email at playstationrumblepodcast.gmail.com. Uh, we're also on YouTube, PlayStation Rumble. Uh, give us your questions, comments, complaints, criticisms, or certain opinions, whatever. Anything, anything goes. I'm PlayStation Rumble. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. See ya. My personal history, I picked it because I was just curious. And I guess, you know, Know what to say about curiosity. My cat died three weeks before I played this game. It was bad. (laughs) (laughs) It was you, Tony. No. I nearly didn't say that. (laughs) uh, I forgive you. We can edit it out then because I don't want you to uh, start crying as you're editing. Sorry, I'm drinking a pina colada. No one's ever cried and drunk a pina colada. That, that's definitely the opposite of the truth. Yeah. <laughs>